I think there was a hesitancy sometimes to look at different uh, channels or different bowl ponds because they thought, oh, it'll be too expensive. So we're trying to uh, run into the fire, if you, if you think of that, instead of run away from the fire. I mean, that's what bankers have been, is trusted advisors for their partners, whether they're consumers or business partners. And so if we can push the transaction piece of that to digital operation or fast, quick, paperless, then that allows us to spend quality time rather than asking you where you want this check deposited. Hello and welcome to Vnext Remix by Veritran. This is the podcast about how digital technologies are overturning traditional financial services as we know them. In each episode, we speak to leaders at the front lines of digital transformation about the future of finance. I'm your host, Katie Janos-Small, the CEO and founder of Upana. Today, I could not be more excited to welcome to the show, Laurie Stewart. Laurie is the president and CEO of Sound Community Bank, and she is a trailblazer for women in banking and a figurehead for community banks across the United States. Laurie has chaired the Washington Bankers Association and spoken to all levels of government, right up to the president, on community banking. What's more, American Banker has ranked her as one of the 25 most powerful women in banking for the past three years running. Laurie, welcome to VNext Remix. Well, thank you. And thank you for that gracious introduction. Laurie, tell us a little about Sound Community Bank to, uh, to get started. All right. Well, Sound Community Bank is a quintessential community bank in that we uh, are committed to housing and we have both a mortgage division, a commercial banking division with a lot of attention to multifamily, a consumer loan uh, function. We, we bank housing from manufactured housing up to multifamily, we even make loans on floating homes. Well, what's kind of interesting about us is that uh, we have eight branches and we're in urban and rural locations, but we started as a credit union. Uh, and we converted to a mutual savings bank, did a public stock offering, and then converted to a commercial bank. So we're now a fully publicly traded commercial bank uh, of just under a billion dollars with another half a billion dollars in Fannie, Fannie Mae loans. Perfect. Now, Laurie, I understand that over the course of your career, you've seen a lot about the, the, the evolution of technology and, and banking. So I'm curious to know what you see as, well, what's been the biggest learning for you as you've worked to interact or adapt to new technologies that are available and implement them into, into the bank? So I think both the biggest uh, learning experience and the biggest challenge we still have is moving fast enough. Uh, you know, the pandemic taught us a lot about how we can integrate uh, technology and virtual banking for all clients. You know, we, we had this mindset that, well, our mature clients won't like that. And it turned out during the pandemic that some of our seniors were the first to adopt technology in order to feel safe and stay home. So, but we can never seem to get it going fast enough to meet the demand uh, for a seamless self-serve type experience. So it's a challenge and an opportunity. Is that because there's always something new on the horizon that you feel like you need to keep up with? I think it's both new on the horizon and it's it's the pressure of, 
non-bank uh, innovators that make self-service and um, seamless transactions the, the demand as opposed to the nice to have. So, you know, we all have to live up to Amazon, right? The kind of client experience, accessibility, really, they really set the, the standard and community banks by nature of cost and just a little bit of fear too, right? That our, our clients wouldn't use it. They, you know, build it and maybe they won't come. Uh, maybe have been a little slower. When we uh, unleashed the front-end mortgage uh, originations so that clients could hop on in their jammies and apply for a refinance, it, our business, business was booming anyhow, but it boomed even further. So tell me a little bit how you address those, those challenges of moving quickly and, and keeping up with, with, the, with the big tech giants of the world that are kind of reshaping the, the way people expect their digital experiences. So we're thinking about it in the bank that um, we shouldn't be afraid, that's first, that we shouldn't not explore opportunities just because they might have a big price tag. I think there was a hesitancy sometimes to look at different uh, channels or different bolt-ons because they thought, oh, it'll be too expensive. Uh, so so we're trying to uh, run into the fire, if you, if you think of that, instead of run away from the fire. And and never say no. Just think big. We we talk to all of our employees, whether you're a frontline employee or you're you're an accountant. How can we use technology? Where do you see? Where would a bot work, for instance? I mean, whoever thought bankers would use bots? We were just talking about using a bot to do rate changes for us. Why not? You know, it's a routine. Uh, uh, process that we can we can drive by formulas so why, why are we spending so much uh, valuable talent uh, doing it manually that's really cool so if we're talking about big picture and maybe the years ahead is there a big technology shift that you have on your radar at the moment would you say that there's one big trend that you could point to well i think for, again for us we're really trying to think about how do we most effectively um, apply new technology uh, to the core. And, you know, for community bankers, we've, we've long said our cars don't move fast enough. So how do we close that gap so that, so that we can speed to market much faster? So that's where our focus is right now, um, even as we speak. And then if we can facilitate that, being willing to bolt onto the system uh, various applications or technology or uh, integration. I, I think uh, one of the things we're beginning to see, especially in the business area, is that seamless integration with whatever other kind of technology a business is using is, is super important. Um, so if we can avoid downloading to Excel and then uploading to something else, you know, a, a, a better a better integration there. So that's where we're thinking this year. Yeah, so right. So so a, a core system that works smoothly and then a way of integrating that's, um, that's smooth as well and seamless in that respect. Right. And, and I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll 
explore a way to to kind of put a, think of it as a you know a blanket around the core that we can hook into that blanket so that uh, that's a faster process as as opposed to trying to direct connect to the core with some of these applications. I was interested in what you said earlier about the the home loan, uh, the digitalization of the home loans, or at least the refinancing. So tell me a little bit about how you see your um, your home loan, the needs of your home loan clients changing. How how has that changed during the pandemic and in, 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 in the digitalization of everything that's happened? Well, a couple of things. First of all, of course, folks were anxious to take advantage if they could of the refinance boom at those really low rates. So. Um, People were motivated to refinance. But by having such a great front-end self-service application, the loan officers were able to talk to their clients not about where's your tax return or where's your pay stub or, you know, that type of thing, but what's the right product for you? What are you trying to accomplish? How long will you stay in your home? Um, So that it was really a consultative arrangement between the loan officer and the borrower when they talked and all of the, you know, if, if you've applied for a home loan recently, you know, it's like digging up two file cabinets full of stuff. It's tax returns and payroll. And where did you get this money? And, you know, it just goes on and on, but we could, that front end application is so smart that if you, for instance, use uh, a tax application like TurboTax for your taxes, the app just goes and grabs it off your, computer so you don't even have to go find it so, beautiful yeah is that fun and we we found this experience also with ppp loans we did 1515 ppp loans that's we never do that many business loans in two years let alone in that abbreviated period of phase one and phase two but what made it work for us and the way we could welcome so many new clients is we created a portal we businesses loaded their stuff in. Our folks were there to answer questions. And in the early days of the program, when we didn't have answers, we just kept a constant dialogue going with those clients saying, we're on application number such and such this week so that they would know where they were in the queue. Or we don't know the answer to limited liability partners yet. But we would tell them even if we didn't know. And what clients told us is they felt engaged and informed. And and especially when that first program ran out and everybody was very, very anxious, they felt like they knew where they were in the process and they weren't missing out. Yeah, sometimes that's that's the key, right? At least if you know where you are, even if it's not right. great news, if you don't know, then there's that uncertainty, right? Mm. Well, well said. I was going to ask you a little more about small business lending and how you see that's evolved with the pandemic. I mean, where do you see the direction of sort of digital small business lending uh, going? So I think, you know, in our rural markets, uh, some of the small business clients say that they really love the uh, online banking options, but they still like to run into the branch on a Friday and get a cookie or say howdy to, uh, to the folks they've come to know over the years. Again, I think it's the... It, as soon as it works well and you see the time that you've saved, then you want more, right? Smaller and smaller clients want ACH, for instance. So speed of payments is really important for small 
business and then integration with whatever they're using, QuickBooks are two important factors. And, you know, we're a small business, too, when you think about a community bank. And we have those same demands, right? We want payroll to integrate with our HR system. With so, And that goes back to what you said earlier about the integrations, whereas I think I was, th- I was thinking about that when you said about the integrations of the core of your own applications, right, fitting with the core, but then you also need to be integrating with all of these digital tools that your clients are using as well, be it TurboTax right. or QuickBooks or, or whatever. Exactly. Is that a challenge, or do you find that in general the the applications that are being used are pretty uh, pretty adaptable in those in those in that respect? Uh, I think it's a challenge still. Mm. Um, looking ahead, Laurie, you said that the core bank is a is a big priority um, in terms of sort of digital channels and the way that you that you interact digitally with the clients. What I'm hearing is that it's a it's quite a nice hybrid approach, right? That there's that personal interaction, but there's also the digital channels that kind of support and maybe take some of the heavy lifting off the off the off the advisors do you see that as a as a long-term trend oh i see it as a huge long-term trend i think what it creates is an opportunity for us to continue the role of trusted advisor i mean that's what bankers have been is trusted advisors for their partners whether they're consumers or business partners and so if we can push the transaction piece of that to digital operation or fast, quick, paperless, then that allows us to spend quality time rather than, you know, asking you where you want this check deposited (laughs) to talking about how your business is going or what other products or services might you need to meet your financial dreams. So I think it creates real opportunity for our clients, but also real opportunity for our bankers uh, to become truly those professional advisors and not get so caught up in um, the the day-to-day transaction processing or opening the night drop or counting the cash under dual control. That's um that's that's a really interesting perspective, and I I like what you said. You know the the transactional side of things can can get go to the digital and digital side and the and the that advisory role can, and that consultative role uh, can stay as a, as a human connection. Wonderful. Um, Laurie, we'll move on to our lightning round of five quick answer questions. Are you ready? Sure. Which book are you reading right now? Well, so I'm always reading many books. I'm reading a great business book called uh, Scaling Up. It's about how a lot of businesses don't make it, but some do. It was actually recommended to me by my nephew, who's 24 years old. Uh, so that was kind of fun to get a recommendation from a person kind of at the beginning of their career. What is the best piece of professional advice that you've received? It, it, it will sound a little bit like a cliche, but uh, I had a guy tell me before I interviewed for the CEO job, because I objected, He's I he, he told me flat out he was sending a woman candidate, not because he thought they'd hire a woman, but because they wanted to interview a woman. And uh, you know, truth, this is a 100% true story. And I was hesitant to go. And he said, what, what can it hurt you to go? And I said, well, that's an interesting idea. And it, it helped me think. Um, I now often, when something's hard for me to do, I think, well, what's the worst that can happen, right? I mean, I probably won't 
I, I probably won't die from it. So why not give it give it a try? So I very much took his advice. I went on the interview. I wasn't the first pick, but the first pick didn't didn't uh, stick, and so they came back to me and offered me the job. Wonderful. Well, it worked out in the end. That's uh, that's quite a story. Congratulations. <laughs> Laurie, what is the app that you use most on your phone? I don't know. You know, I read two newspapers a day, so I start my day with newspaper apps. I use Yahoo Finance to check stock market and what's happening with the bank stock. I read business books often in hard copy so I can mark them up, but I, I read everything else on Kindle. So I'm in the Kindle app all, all the time. Do you love those notifications that pop up saying that you've used your screen so many more hours more than last yeah. week? Oh, yes. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Laurie, when will we stop using cash? Oh, I, that is such a fun question. You know, for me, I've almost stopped using cash. I have to be very thoughtful. And I was talking to some folks in the service industry about how much their tips have gone down. People like uh, Valley Parkers and because people just don't have cash. And I realized I'd done that before too. I said, you know, I'll pay it forward, but I do not, I don't even have a dollar on me. Um, however, then I talk to other people and they say there will always be a need for some form of non-digital currency, that some form of, of exchange that we can hand to one another. So a long, long time yet. Interesting. Perfect. Well, Laurie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. This has been a really fun interview. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. All right. Well, I had a great time too. Anytime. And thank you for tuning in for this new series of VNext Remix. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and turn on notifications to be the first to hear the next episode. We'll be back soon with more VNext Remix Insights.